Hey, Rolf, why are you annoyed? Last night I was streaming Austin Powers, you know? Everything is fine, everything is good. And suddenly I'm getting ad after ad about bacon floss. Bacon floss. <laughs> bacon floss? On yeah, bacon well, floss. Like 20 times. One after another. Did you floss? Uh, yes, but not with bacon. I mean, <laughs> who, who does that? Who wants that? So a, who's in control of that? I mean, who, who pays for that? It's a problem in the advertising industry. We should ask them. I know a guy in, in media, his name is Caleb Williams. Welcome to Loud and Clear, the podcast for those who give a shit about advertising. I am your host, Francisco Cárdenas, Principal of Digital Strategy and Integration at Lerma. In the production, we have Rolf Ries. We're getting ready to head into presidential primary elections, the Olympics next year, the PGA Tour and Live Golf are merging. What the hell is going on? In the middle of all of this, CTV users get hit with a frequency of ads that seems to be most excessive. And why? Why is the question? And to speak about this, we have two very special guests from MIQ. The first one is Mo Chuktai. And I hope I said that right. He's the head of Advanced TV at MIQ, where he leads MIQ's global TV product partnership and strategy functions, having built a business line over the last five years. That's commitment. He has over a decade of product and strategy leadership experience building and scaling advertising businesses and delivering impactful products that deliver results for agencies and marketers. The second, and a long friend of mine, Caleb Williams, He's a results-driven media professional who has spent the majority of his 15-plus year career solving critical business challenges through the power of digital media. He has been recognized by his peers and clients as a trusted advisor for driving brands, business forward through intelligent use of data, insights, and media activation. He has been from agency side to social media platforms as almost like startups. Today, Caleb, is the current senior director of MIQ as a sales. So welcome guys. Did I miss anything on that introduction that you would want to add? I love the intro. And uh, I was going to say, Caleb, 15 years, you know, you still look 25. So you're, you're doing great on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's weird just... to think of it. It's weird to think of it. And Francisco, yeah. it's good to, good to be on this podcast with you after so many years. This is fantastic. No, what a thank you for thank you for the time. I know we're all super busy, and uh, I, I I'm really thankful we made we made the time to discuss this important topic that I think we're all talking about it. We're trying to figure it out, but yes, uh, Caleb and I went to lunch the other day and we discussed it, and we want to just see what's happening, why is it happening, and if there's any answers or, or how can we guide uh, our clients and and partner up with media to to fix this. Totally. Uh, you know what's funny, man? Before we get into, I, I know we're go, we'll get into some of the technicals of kind of why this is happening and and um, you know how to fix it. But as you were talking, one thing that just came to mind was even the fact that we're talking about sort of a frequency problem is sort of a good thing in a way because it means people are watching the ads and noticing the content that's in front of their eyes. Because <laughs> how Indeed. many seen the same banner ad on your phone or or you know on on your desktop or whatever? You probably get served that same ad over and over and over again. 
but you know, on TV, you actually notice the ads, right? So the fact that you're noticing a frequency problem might actually be a, you know, a positive thing to begin with. <laughs> I agree. And I, and I would just, I would just add to that, that, um, you know, TV, the, the, you know, fighting for the biggest screen in the house is something that isn't going to stop, right? Whether it be um, publishers who are, are creating, you know, uh, really expensive content and trying to win award shows and then use that to leverage for a subscriber base, right? Like they, they need to compete for eyeballs, whether it be a, a marketer who's trying to get a message out and, you know, uh, build up their 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 following or new product launches or whatever i mean it's it's on all sides right and then to your point like your dad being a consumer right just a a, a bystander of wanting to watch content and going man why does you know why does my son keep getting hit up with uh you know different kinds of pampers ads or something you know so um <laughs> so i think that those are those are all challenges and they they have different uh facets to them and so excited to kind of explore some of that yeah, I think I think it's right, right? Like the frequency is there, the presence is there. That's a that's a good uh, in, indicator that consumers are noticing. Um, however, I would say some consumers, you, you say Pampers ad. I don't remember what's the ad uh, that 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 he was seeing. I, I would need to ask him. But what is it doing for brands that are actually appearing so many times? Uh, uh, so frequently in such a short period of time. I understand that that potentially at some point meets some uh, metrics uh, as far as goals, um, but is it doing good for the brands? I think now there's the opportunity to do sequential advertising and storytelling in a very clever way, but um, appearing in, in such a repetitive way um, is, is is evidently, without a doubt, even if we look at it optimistically, as, as yes, we're present, the frequency is there, consumers are noticing, but it, it has to have some sort of negative effect on the brand that's appearing. Thoughts on that, uh, Mo? Yeah, I mean, I think you're 100% right. I didn't want to dismiss the fact that frequency is a problem. I just thought it was sort of interesting, right, that, that yeah. are noticing. Um, I, look, I, I, it's definitely a problem, right? Like if you feel like a brand is intrusively telling the same story over and over again and um, not sort of aware of how much they're messaging to you, um, it's really easy to get frustrated with that experience as a user. And rather than looking at that, I mean, you know, as the a sort of failing of the ad tech system that, that's going on, you're likely to attribute that blame to the advertisers themselves, right? Um, so, you know, why am I seeing the same Pampers ad or the same Amazon ad? I get served Amazon warehouse ads all the time. And so there is a relevance sort of component to that, but there's definitely a component, which is, you know, if I see too many repetitive ads, I'm going to get annoyed. Um, and you, you know, that has the opposite effect, obviously, of, of what brands are trying to do with their media. I was doing a search, uh, on why do I keep getting the same ads on Google? And there was like 2.2 billion <laughs> search results from it. So there's like, we're not alone. It's hitting a nerve with people for sure. Yeah, it's not just us three trying to figure it out. Um, well, one thing is is that we saw uh, as, as as researching as, as as a cause is like, you know, budget, hearing that, you know, some companies perhaps have large in advertising budgets than others, and hence win, that space of appearing more times. The other potential could be we're, we've gotten so good at targeting, right? 
that you know it's it, it, it's so precise and so effective that we're hitting the right people many times but but again it, that's where we need to see okay how good is good and how good is it doing for for our brand and then i think and you guys can talk more about that but the the idea of ad inventory and how we're delivering and working with different dsps especially when you think of programmatic what is it doing for the industry how can we put all that in a blender to make it work in a more seamless way we know it's working for sure but we always want to believe that that we could do it better yeah i think so just two things kind of stand out to me to begin with one is just quantifying that this is an issue right as in is this something that one person is feeling clearly not if two billion people are sort of googling this uh, or is this sort of a real issue and what are the numbers behind it so leading up to this i actually um went into our sort of data that, that miq collects we've got data on about you know over 60 million tv sets in america um so we get to see what they're seeing on connected tv as well as what they're watching on linear tv and so um okay. you know any of the ads or any of the content, whatever sort of they're seeing. And what's interesting is I ran the top sort of 26 brands that are on linear TV across a bunch of different verticals, right? Finance, insurance, QSR, you know, sort of uh, retail, kind of everything. Even direct to consumer was sort of, you know, one or two were in there. And what mm -hmm. we found out was if you looked at the frequencies on connected TV and linear. Obviously linear had higher frequency, right? You're reaching sort of the same users many, many times. And most brands are still spending more money on linear than they are on connected TV. But when you looked at the frequency distribution, um, and what that means is how, of the ads that you served, how many were served heavy users, people who watch a lot of TV, how many were served to light users? What you would ideally like to see is everyone got served the same number of ads, right? But if someone mm -hmm. watches 10 times more content than the other person, they're gonna see more ads. And what we ended up seeing was the frequency distribution problem was as bad or worse on connected TV than it was on linear. As oh, in wow. heavy streamers were being served even more ads as a percentage of all the CTV ads than heavy linear TV watchers were. And so, you know, we've got some good data that I'm happy to share afterwards, but um, I think that that sort of very much quantifies the issue of there actually is a problem here. Heavy streamers are seeing a lot of ads. And then there's some people who, you know, maybe aren't, aren't seeing many ads at all. Oh, wow. So it seems that I didn't know that. And and, and that seems to be then it, it takes the problem to be a problem over times versus a problem of a specific technology, right? Uh, is it, is, you know, given that it's there's there's more options and it's not only limited to necessarily connected TV, correct? Yeah, and I, I, I would just throw in there so that, you know, what Mo's explaining, um, I would say part of the cause, because trying to understand what's causing it, right? That's, that's, that's what we're trying to get down to is what's causing it. And I think there's, there's multiple facets and it's complex. It's not super uh, distilled or simplified. Um, all the way from the publisher side, right? So the, these publishers... These, you know, networks, these content producers, they're fighting for eyeballs, right? And there's two mm -hmm. ways that, that people can, can you know, uh, run their media or, or, or show up on their, on their services, right? And that's either um, a direct buy and going to, you know, a Hulu or a, a Disney Plus, you know, HBO Max, Paramount. 
and buying a direct buy and, and them trying to guarantee a certain amount of impressions and marketers saying we need to spend X amount of dollars a year to guarantee a certain amount of eyeballs. That's one mm -hmm. way. And the other way, like you said, is is programmatically, right, in, in offering up real-time remnant inventory uh, and delivering it through a lot of people. There's two challenges on both of those sides that I would just call out. One being, I think publishers sometimes are hesitant to call out their actual subscriber numbers. And so some of the times, and I'm not trying to, like, I'm not pointing the blame at them only by any means. I'm, no, just, no. I'm just surfacing these things, right? Is, is you know, Netflix was 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 massive in this where, where they, they wanted to demand a really high premium and marketers are going, well, that's a that's way more, you know, that that CPM is significantly more than I'm paying in these other places. What makes you so special? And they're like, well, we're, you know, we have the biggest, largest subscriber base in 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 you know in the US, but you're like, yes, but how many of them are actually able to view ads? And they weren't wanting to be real with it. And in March, we found out that it's roughly that they're just under a million, right? Under a million right. subscribers. So if you only have a million people and you're trying to fulfill big, large commitments from these brands and dollars. And at the same time, most of these brands only want to run on the top genres. That's a, that's a, that's a, a marketer challenge. Marketers want mm -hmm. only want to everybody run wants on the that. same. Everybody wants the same. Everybody wants to be like, no, I don't want to run on those things because it, it could be less premium or less, you know, and I'm saying that in air quotes because uh, they just know that they want to hit the big top shows. Well, if you're trying to hit the big top shows, then you're hitting the people who are you know, lower, uh, there's, there's a lower base to, to, to reach because of the subscribers. And then on top of that, they're only going to run ads on those top shows, then you're going to get hit up quite a bit. Right. And so there's yeah. multiple facets to that. And then separately, I'll throw this in there is that, um, while you can have direct buys, you can also try to buy through exchanges and, and I'll point the finger at us from the industry on the supply and, and the demand side of it is that there are a lot of resellers in the mix, right? There are mm -hmm. a lot of people, a lot of different avenues and ways to be able to go and say, I want to access, you know, uh, a Hulu inventory and you could have different um, supply paths and exchanges running through that. And if you don't, if they're not being transparent and if you haven't done the due diligence and you don't work with a partner like MIQ that's trying to create transparency in the path, then, then you could be buying it in multiple avenues plus you stack that with your direct buy and then all of a sudden, you're hitting that same user targeting that one DMA, getting really mm. precise on that targeting, like you said, and then you create a little bit of this conundrum. Can I just add some stats to what um, Caleb just said, right? About yes. sort of crowd, really what you're talking about, Caleb, is a crowding of ad, do ad dollars, right? Everyone wants to be sort of crowded around the top end number of applications or publishers. And Francisco, you've probably seen it all the time, right? When a client wants to jump into streaming, they've got an idea of which apps that means, right? And they're coming to you and going, I want to be on Hulu or I want to be on whatever, YouTube TV. I've got sort of probably two, three, four apps that I want to be on. And mm -hmm. it did this incredible study in um, 2021, a couple of years ago during sort of the pandemic, where they looked at, you know, sort of 25 to 50 of the largest CTV marketers on their platform and looked at what percentage of reachable ad-supported sort of TV ho CTV homes each marketer was able to reach. So if you had a campaign of one publisher, um, even if that was a big publisher like a Hulu or a YouTube, or if you had a campaign of five publishers, or if you had a campaign of 10 publishers, what does your campaign reach look like? 
right? And what they found was, you know, these large budgets that were going to a single publisher, sometimes you were reaching single digit percentages of the total addressable connected TV audience because that's just who was live on that one publisher at that given time. So even though you're sort of amplifying your spend, you know, over and over and over again, what you're really doing is having up spend to realistically who is available within that publisher's ad supported, you know, viewer base at that time. And they found even up to 10 viewers and I'll, you know, I've got to get the numbers right on this, but even up to 10 publishers on a plan, you were still only re reaching about a quarter of the addressable connected TV uh, audience, right? And so, you know, that kind of speaks a little bit to that problem that Caleb just mentioned on, you know, if you're going in with a heavily, heavily sort of targeted view of the audience, you know, across a few publishers, you're likely going to be crowding towards users who, uh, you know, exists within those worlds, obviously. So, so is it is it correct to say that maybe you're hitting that twenty five percent many times versus the entire uh, spectrum of absolutely, of that right? A absolutely, and that's that's what um, you know when when you're able to look at and use the ACR data and understand, and that's one of the that's one of the the, the solutions that we can you know we can talk about or the solves is just. As a marketer, you know, um, being able to work with folks that, that give you the data behind it to really understand what your reach is from a linear perspective and what your reach is from a, you know, connected TV and streaming side, you know, that is what you find is that the, the top 25% of your audience got hit, you know, with 60, 70%, 80% of your entire budget, right? Mm -hmm. and, and what's crazy about that is, Again, this is all digital and this is all connected and, and that data is available to us to be able to say, you know what, why don't we suppress that? <laughs> why, don't we, why don't we work toward sharing the love and spreading the, the marketing dollars to those other quartiles or quintiles that maybe got hit once, not 25 mm -hmm. times, right? And, 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 and in that, You, you start to create a better user experience. You start to create better efficiency for a marketer, right? And that your media dollars aren't being delivered only into one spot. Um, and, it, and it holds some accountability to the whole ecosystem. How do we, how do we achieve that? Yeah, so I, I think just adding to that point on, on that Caleb just brought up, right? You know, everyone's listening to this and going, wow, frequency is a big problem, but it's not a problem for me because I've looked at my frequency report And it says three and a half times that I'm crushing it. <laughs> right. So, in Excel, in the Excel sheet, it looks great. Yes, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's sort of like, you know, put all the marketers in a room, have them look left and right and go, everyone else has a frequency problem, but not, not me and my campaign because I'm looking at it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I think that the number one thing I would say is the learning for us is it's not a frequency problem. It's a frequency distribution problem, which is... And the fact that your average frequency is very high it's the fact that if you look at your ad server reporting broken down by sort of you know frequent like impressions by frequency group you're going to find there's one group that got served 100 impressions and there's one group that's very very large that got served one impression and your average frequency might be three and a half but you know over that's over the entirety of the audience so if there's one thing that you can start to do as a brand or as an agency managing your spend is starting to look at your ad server reporting, not on an average frequency level, but looking at distribution within that average frequency. So basically your 25% got hit a hundred times, right? Back to what you were saying. 
Yeah, I think connecting the dots, I mean, it's almost like a communication problem. And I was thinking as we were talking about the analogy of of my wife sending me with my daughter with the, to the grocery store and both of us having the same list and going in and trying to get everything and both coming back with the same stuff, um, which is what I feel it's happening, right? Like instead of dividing and knowing, hey, you need to hit this audience this amount of times, uh, but distribute it across the entire audience. So one percentage of that audience does not get affected in a nasty way. Um, so, so is that what you would call when we talk about frequency capping, um, uh, it's, it, would that be more of a distribution solution? So like you don't necessarily cap it to one audience. It's just like more address, uh, a larger audience to, in order to meet that commitment in, in frequency. Yeah, I, I would say that, uh, you know, frequency capping, the, the way that I would define that is really about how you're setting up something in a console or, or you know, or in a, or in a DSP, right? Where, where you're trying to say, hey, I only, I'm trying to distribute my budget, uh, you know, in, in a good ratio, right, or a clean line. And so I'm going to cap the number of people that I can serve against per hour, per day, or per week, right? So that's a that's a frequency capping piece. That that is part of it for sure. But but what what Mo is talking about, and, and, and Mo, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it's it's that distribution, and that's a different data set. So that's not necessarily in the setup. That's not something standard that you would have access to in a DSP. But it's more of of getting these you know reports, uh, working with a partner that has access to. ACR data that can provide an overall frequency distribution and it comes in to play you know there's a lot of rich I, I don't want to miss out on this massive piece is there's a lot of data science to it there's a lot of analysis and just because you can get access to data doesn't mean you know what to do with it and so uh, you have to have the right individuals put piecing it together to be able to make sense of how can I segment these audiences how can then I distribute it accordingly? And how do I not just understand who I hit, how many households I reach and how many times I reach them, but what was then the associated outcome? What was the end KPI or, or, or objective that the brand marketer wanted to accomplish? Was it, did we actually drive people in store? Did we take them and you know increase awareness or did we take them to the site to engage with, with the, the, the content? And so, it's mixing all of those things and layering it all together to then understand that distribution and then being able to to build some really cool segments and audiences to go, you know what, we are gonna piece this out, right? So Mo, correct me if I'm, I'm wrong on any of this. No way, man, I, I think you nailed it. I think the, the only thing I would build on top of that is, you know, we're programmatic people, so we almost make the assumption that the default choice for a marketer is programmatic. And the reality is it's not, right? The, a, a ton of CTV budgets go direct to publisher. A ton of CTV goes through upfronts. Even if it's not upfronts, there's still tons of direct to publisher up there. Um, and so, you know, this is an area that I think it's, it's really important to, for agencies and brand partners to be vigilant on, which is your publisher partners probably are applying frequency caps, right? Within mm -hmm. the walls and they're trying their best to sort of manage the frequency within the walls that they have. But what ends up happening is you might have a, a direct buy with five, six, seven, eight, maybe 10 publishers, each individually applying frequency caps, right? And a heavy streaming audience is a heavy streaming audience is a heavy streaming audience across all of those different publishers. And so mm -hmm. 
three here, the three here, the three here, the three here, and you end up in a place still where your frequency in aggregate, when you look at the ad server or you look at you know a partner with ACR, still ends up being very, very high to that heavy streaming audience, right? So, you know, this is, I tend to do not a lot of pitching on, on my side. I mean, you know, this is why Caleb's more of a salesperson. I'm more of a kind of BD, BD person. But, um, you know, when I, when I think about sort of how do you manage that, I think two things are really important for agencies. One is in as much as they can leverage best in class tech that's out there with the likes of a programmatic or with the likes of a, even PG deals, pub direct buys, I think that helps you monitor the um, frequency problem across different publishers, which is important. And the second is, you know, if there's cases where you have to go direct but not through a PG, ad server reporting is what you should be looking at, right? Because really you want to go across publishers, not look at sort of frequency within one publisher. Mm -hmm. See, the importance of, of the people behind it that are kind of stitching everything together so it makes sense, right? So why is this not happening more often? Is it is it that we're not being able to sell the value of connecting and having those analyses done constantly. So again, going back to the original problem, this is still happening. Um, the, there's articles about it. There's me doing ads that I'm afraid that might be overserved or or wear out in a month, right? Uh, uh, what's what can change? Yeah. Why is it still happening? So I, I I'll just share a couple quick things one i'd say is um is is one get getting your hands on on the data can be costly and investing in trying to do this on your own can be massively costly and um you know testing and learning and and understand i, I it is really challenging to be a marketer because uh all the all the methodologies all the ways that you prove, you know, the ROI and you take that back to your, you know, executive board and prove um, how your marketing dollars performed are built on different technologies that that don't always talk and, and interact with each other. Right. Right. And so, you know, whether it's a, an MMM model and, and, you know, that maybe leaned more heavily toward TV because for so many years that was the way that it was defined. Right. It favors TV. That's one aspect that can be challenging and that's still tricky and, and finicky. Uh, the other piece that I would add in there is that uh, on the programmatic side and on the ad tech side, we haven't made it easy for them either because there's not a, a true overarching easy way to manage reach and frequency across everything. A lot of people can try to cheat the system or, or you know play a cheat code and, and try to just go, we're only going to use one console because then that one console can tell us within their own little universe or their own graph of people how, who we reached. But again, you miss out on so much opportunity and scale, right? Um, and so those are that's that's another challenge. But but I would say the bigger bigger challenge is um, this data set is costly to play with and to interact with, and investing mm -hmm. the energy, the effort, and the time can require a really big amount of dollars. That um, as a marketer who's trying to move things forward. Uh, that might not be the utmost priority, right? And so you're, you're kind of left to your your ad tech partners to try to solve. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, especially if it looks good on paper and I met my goals, it's like, why would I? I you know, sometimes it, it looks bad for us as marketers to go and, and present results and, 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 and present something that could have cost, in theory, a little bit less, a quarter, right? 
say, hey, it, it costs 75% more, but but you know the numbers are right when your colleague on the other side has the same numbers on an Excel sheet and spent less. Uh, so I get that, yeah. and that's that's an interesting. It's those models, yeah. It's those it's reflection. those models that everything's built into, right? And how we report out on it. But I will say this: I I, I don't think creative is lost, right? I don't think all hope <laughs> is lost. Um, uh, so you you gave an anecdote, and I'll, I'll give you my anecdote. My nine year old daughter absolutely loves the Aldi commercial, and she will pause whatever she's doing to hear the whole, you know, oh, it's not a sale sale. Oh, so clever. You know, like that that whole engagement, that whole dialogue, my daughter eats it up and she can hear it with her ears, wherever it's at. She might not even be watching the TV. She can hear it in the background. She runs into the room and she just wants to watch it. So to me, uh, I, I'm not saying, uh, you know, all hope is lost there because uh, what what people like you and, and your team do and, and what Lerma does and puts forward, killer um, messaging that that sparks and hits that magical connection with with uh, humans where a brand can interact um, I think that's still valid and and will cut through the clutter so um, yeah yeah no 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 I, I, I agree yeah my, my my daughter also to that analogy like every time she grabs an avocado almost sings the jingle right like uh, uh, but <laughs> yeah they created no, little no. marketing monsters. Yes, there's 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 opportunity. Um, so one one last question: Is it is it also that they, that we need more brands to jump into the space so that we have uh, more, you know, basically the offer and demand right uh, uh, model, where where in a way it would make it more affordable. There's more players. There's more people. Um, uh, kind of, kind of playing in the space uh, versus having one brand owning uh, all the inventory and, and and having that. Is there something about that that's happening as well? Uh, I wouldn't say we're early in the game, but still a young industry without a doubt. I, I think part part of it is uh, when I, as I'm thinking about that, right? Like you think of all the 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 battle and the war that is going on from a uh you know publisher network side of it right where it used to be everything was bundled into one place right and cable was easy and then you know here came digital and screwed everything up and so now everybody's <laughs> trying to fight to build their own platform right and you got paramount trying to do its own thing and then you've got hbo max you know uh joining forces and and trying to you know get subscribers and so right now unfortunately i think we're in this day and age of of uh more silos not fragmentation not, yeah, yeah more fragmentation in in the content and publishing world um because everyone is trying to keep that 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 money and and going you right to to get the advertising dollars but then also to uh keep winning awards for their content right and so th there's a lot yeah. of fighting happening i don't see a future right now <laughs> where all of that um now some of them may not their their ad models might not work and you know their their stock prices might go down the shareholder value goes down and they might start merging and i do think that there will be you know we see it all the time right in the news every 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 year every quarter where where certain publishers are, are joining forces with others but that's been a battle from you know from even before digital. So uh, yeah. I think that battle is going to continue. Yeah, the the, the war of uh, subscription video on the band versus 
ad supported video on demand it's it's on i was joking este mo with 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 caleb uh earlier than it, it's incredible that sometimes we work in an industry if you know I, i i went to speak into a conference and i'm like you guys are sometimes willing to pay to not hear or see what i work on every day right Uh, so if you know, I ask the audience who who here has Spotify Premium, <laughs> you know, and and, and I, you guys are willing, like basically what you what you're walking away from is the ads, um, but then you don't want to pay for it. So it's a it's a give or take, right? Like it's a back and forth, and then the fragmentation where we thought that walking away from Directv were saving dollars, now suddenly we have, you know, five or seven different services where we're paying double that um so it's interesting it's interesting i think it's it's putting it out there and see how the market reacts and and learn from it and then and then become more efficient with with you, you know by by analyzing that behavior yeah i mean we just had a i think the economics of this this industry are topsy-turvy about to figure themselves out in the next two years like i, I don't think anyone knows right now the true value of an AVOD subscriber where you paid $7.99 per month plus, you know, get some ads and that relative to an SVOD subscriber that's pure play, no ads, because the reality is depending on the month, depending on how strong the market is, depending on your CPMs and your ad load, one might be much more profitable than the other. And so, you know, you get a scenario where Netflix knocks one of its cheaper ad plans, uh, ad free plans out and says, nope, you're going to do the ad supported model, or you're going to do this more expensive ad free model, right? And so all of these sort of economics, I think, need to work themselves out in the next two years before publishers really discover what an ad supported viewer is worth to them from a, a monthly, you know, revenue perspective. Yeah, it's exciting times without a doubt. And we again, like this is this is more we as ad agencies uh, really appreciate Uh, models and having that conversation and openness of partners like you guys uh, when you spend the time for to do this or coming to the agency to to talk and educate us a little bit more about it. Um, so so it's great. I think the conversation needs to continue. Uh, there's there has to be a solve. I think there is a, a, a time component, as you were saying, Mo, as as, as time passes, we're going to see the, the consumer behavior. What do they truly prefer or prioritize? And then that's also going to help marketers and and advertisers and the inventory to kind of settle and distribute a little bit more evenly. If 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 I, if I were to come into a conclusion of what I'm hearing and what I'm learning <laughs> from this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And and the last thing that I would throw there, Francisco, is just uh, for marketers too is is understanding that that there is there is data out there. There is. Uh, things, uh, uh, partners available to them that can allow them to kind of expand beyond this only heavy streaming, heavy usage, heavy set, um, you know, audience or top publishers and to understand their, their frequency distribution a lot better. I think that's, that's one of the key pieces that, that could be a solve that we're just tapping mm. into and exploring. So that's awesome. Um, well, we're coming, we're coming to an end, but I would like to uh, kind of open it up for you guys to like, if people try to reach you or have any questions or anything, if you guys want to share either social channels or email or whatever, um, uh, you're welcome to use this space. Yeah, I'd, I would just say, you know, come check out, uh, you know, our, our, our website, we are MIQ.com. 
Um, there's fantastic resources that marketers can use and, and see. We've got blog posts. We've got anytime Mo goes and does a new research or, or, or a, a talk on this, uh, we, we typically try to give you access to it. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're someone who wants to be transparent and help everyone kind of win in this space. And, and um, so there's a lot of great resources there, I would say. Love it. Mo, anywhere where people can reach you? Um, yeah, so I, I think Caleb is definitely right. I think, um, you know, we're an omni-channel provider, so we uh, touch a lot of different types of media. If you wanted to focus on TV specifically, we are miq.com slash ATV. Um, okay. It's where all the TV research and, and stuff is located. Um, I also personally tweet a lot of ad tech nonsense on, uh, on Twitter. So if uh, anyone's in the market for a uh, hot take... <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Mo underscore Rance on Twitter, so they can find me there and find some some uh, bad takes on that. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for the openness, the transparency, uh, putting the issue on the table. Um, uh, I appreciate you guys being here. This has been Loud and Clear. Uh, you can listen to Loud and Clear on, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, iHeart now so any, any anywhere where you want to listen to your podcast we love the topics we love to put things on the table that kind of make us uncomfortable so if 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 you have any topics also check us out lermaagency.com uh, or you can find me also on Twitter Chito Cárdenas um, thank you so much Kayla thank you so much Mo it's a it's a great conversation more to be seen and more to be had so I really appreciate you guys